Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Oh, by the way, I've got S.C. Gwynn's new book. Did you forget my bottle? I filled it up, but I forgot to bring it in. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> I've got S.C. Gwynn's new book. I know, you WhatsApp me. Yeah, it's great. Have you already started it? <clears throat> I've read the uh, kind of the first couple of pages it's all about the fir- the final year of the US Civil War okay yeah he's a, he's the goat man have you read Rebel Yell yeah no no I've, I've got it I haven't started it yet you got me on to Empire of the Summer Moon which Empire is brilliant of the Summer Moon is the Rebel Yell is all about Stonewall Jackson he's a fascinating character like a mm. really interesting it's, it's so exhaustive as well yeah yeah, like, yeah. the research but is it, unbelievable it, it never feels like uh, oh Jesus it's not heavy, heavy exactly yeah yeah James there's a new manager at Genoa. It's the treble winning, much decorated, um, powerful, very powerful Tiago mm. Motta. Great beard. Lovely beard. I was a bit confused. The Evening Standard ran something this week okay. saying that Tiago Motta has played down suggestions he will throw convention out of the window and field an adventurous new formation, <laughs> right? And um, they list it as a two-seven-two, which would be weird because they're actually listing the goalkeeper in the formation now. Well, I mean, and he uh, definitely insisted on that because it was put to him, it's like, what, Thiago? That's 11 players. And he was like, well, yeah, I include the goalkeeper as a participant in our play. Guardiola is fuming he hasn't thought of that first. <laughs> he is absolutely <laughs> beside himself. The thing is... He's on the phone to Motta now. Motta got ridiculed when he came out with this, and this is going back, I think, a year, 18 months. I think it was in the interview with La Gazzetta dello Sport. And the reality is, is he's talking about when his team has possession. Right. Yeah, he's not talking about starting with just, you know, two centre-backs. Yeah. Um, so can you, can you before we get into that before we do a deep dive on this just very quickly because we had a few emails about the situation here Mark and Adam and several others emailed in at OTC at footballroundwithdaily.com so just give us a very very short pricey of the situation that led to him becoming the, the boss of Genoa so Aurelio Andreazzoli who'd got the Genoa job in the summer um, after taking Empoli down that is a harsh reading of it because ultimately <laughs> Empoli sacked him. They should never have sacked him. They brought him back. Empoli went on a tear. They almost stayed up. Remember, there was that incredible game at the end of last season when Empoli went to San Siro to play Inter and they had Inter on the ropes and it looked like Inter were going to qualify for the Champions League and then Nyingland scored in the final 15 minutes and they eventually got got through and Empoli ended up going down. Andrea Zoli plays really good, exciting football. He's good at developing young players. That is something that Genoa need. It's it's something that a lot of clubs outside the top six need if they're going to survive without Champions League football, without owning their own stadium. They need to make money from 
buying low and selling high and have coaches who develop players. They started the season really well. They played against Roma at the Olimpico. They came back three times. They drew 3-3. They beat Fiorentina in their second game, playing excellent football. But as with Andrea Zoli's Empoli, they would often play really, really well, create a lot of chances, not take them, and end up losing games that they deserve to get something from. Mm. And so Andrea Zoli was already at risk of getting the sack before the last international break. The players pushed back on that. So the club basically decided, okay, we'll give him the next game. <laughs> they gave him the next game. They lost. They were embarrassed by Palmer. Andres Cornelius, remember? Yes, Cardiff City legend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he scored a hat trick. Um, and I mean, that is coffin now stuff, that. Exactly. <laughs> so it's then that they do this. Then they call, they, they use this term in, in, in Italy, and it's an English term. They say they, they have a casting. Casting right. couch, <clears throat> where they basically go and talk to lots of different Not managers. Not one of those ones in the videos you watch. The videos you watch, because you're clearly aware of those videos, Luke. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is, is how general works, is that this is, this is a hire and fire club. They're quite happy to go through three managers as long as they stay up. They did it last season, and it looked like they were going to do it again this season. And they basically got Francesco Guidolin. Do you remember him? Yeah, of course. He used to be yeah. at Swansea. Swansea did yeah. really well with Vicenza. A lot of Welsh connections here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With Vicenza and more recently Udinese. And they had an arrangement with him. And then they were like, you know what? I'm just going to talk to a few other guys. And they went to talk to Massimo Carrera, who won the league at Spartak. He used to be on Antonio Conte's staff. And they're like, oh, actually, I really like Carrera. And then they're like, actually, I'm going to have dinner with Tiago Motta because he's over in Italy at the moment for a coaching course at Coverciano. Let's go and see Motta. He used to play for us. He's been doing some interesting stuff with the under-19s. And I've heard about this 2-7-2 formation. And they go and, <laughs> they go and appoint Tiago Motta. And this is one of the risks that Enrico Preziosi, their general president, is, is prepared to take. Give an opportunity to either bright young players who haven't had opportunities in the past and do it with managers as well. And I must say, Motta, first impressions... He's done very well. Um, last weekend was his debut against uh, Brescia and uh, they came back from behind to win 3-1. And this was the first time in Italian football history that a manager has made three changes, three substitutions in the second half and each one of those substitutes scored a goal. Yeah, but they haven't had three substitutes for that many years, have they? That's true, but even when... Because Arrigo Saki would have definitely done that at some point. <laughs> it was still something that's never happened before. Yeah. So, so just before we get into that in huge depth, this is the third um, sacking in Serie A, I think in 15 days, after Di Francesco left um, Sampdoria, Gianpaolo left Milan, and now Andretti has left Genoa. Mm. Does it does it feel like there could have been more? It feels to me like there could We're have been more. We're in sacking season because how, and how do you expect this to continue? Oh, casual watchers of Serie A will be going. This is pretty crazy, right? Yeah, although it's nothing unusual um, to your seasoned Serie A uh, watcher, mm. I would say that uh, this weekend um, could be big in terms of uh, heads rolling because. Mm. Igor Tudor, the coach of Udinese, who's already been sacked by Udinese in the past. <laughs> Last season, there were 12. There were 12 in total. Right. Yeah. He, he is on the fire because um, last weekend, they went into the match day with the best defence in the league. They then conceded seven to an Atlanta side that had conceded five to Man City. Mm -hmm. That was mitigated by the fact that they went down to 10 men after half an hour. They then play Roma at home on Wednesday night. Roma have a man sent off, wrongly. That, that was a dreadful decision. That was a joke. And they then concede three goals to 10-man Roma in a 4-0 defeat. Mm. So Tudor is under real pressure. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why they haven't intervened is because, well, there's another match coming very, very soon. And I'd say it's unfair to give a new manager the job when basically he has to work on a game plan so quickly, um, <clears> as well <throat> as going through all the formalities of getting your paperwork done and... Yeah, doing the media and then eventually tra training the team for a game against Genoa at the weekend. So what do we expect from Motta at Genoa then? <clears throat> well, this is the curious thing about this group of players at Genoa is that they tend to start well under new managers. I mean, they're used to having new managers all yeah. the time. They had three last year. They're already onto their second this year. And they, they play well because they've got talent. And we saw that against Brescia at the weekend. We even saw it in the defeat to Juventus on Wednesday night. And... Motta is clearly a very bold manager. 
um, who's willing to experiment. I mean, in in the first game against Brescia, he started with um, what was nominally a kind of three-five-two. Uh, what was different about that was that Radovanovic, who's played in midfield his entire career, is all of a sudden playing as a centre-back and is a very fluid kind of position as well because he was stepping into the midfield and staying in midfield when they had the ball. He made the changes, as I, as I mentioned, final 20 minutes. They changed system three or four times in that game, 4-2-3-1, 4-4-2 diamond, straight 4-4-2. And they just kept going and going and going. And it was clear that Brescia, uh, pity them, had no idea what was going on because it was like all of a sudden I was supposed to be picking up this guy. Now he's moved. And it's one of those games where if Genoa don't win that game, then a reaction that we'd be justified in having is like, what is Mota doing? He's just fiddling around all over the place. He's very confused here. Mm. Second game against uh, Juventus, he basically starts with the team that finished the game against Brescia. 4-2-3-1, very attacking um, with uh, Pinamonte, Kwame, Agudelo, who had never had a look in on the Andrea Zoli and has now become yeah, this really promising player. You look at him and you think, how has this guy not been starting? Mm. Uh, he's made an instant impact. Um, and Pandev. Um, Agudelo is the creative midfield player, right? So Agudelo yeah. is this is this young Colombian that they mm. signed in the summer. No minutes until uh, last weekend uh, when he came on and helped change the game against Brescia. And even when um, uh, Genoa were down 10 men, uh, for what thirty minutes in the second half of of this game in Turin against Juventus, and then he and then kept... Nyman after that wasn't it? No, the, Juventus then had a man sent off. Rabio Rabio Rabio. I thought I thought there was another red card, but it might have been a player who was on the bench at the time. Ah, uh, Marchetti, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the the goalkeeper, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, poor Adrian Rabio who came on and then picked up two yellow cards and was sent off. I mean, his what will his, his mum say? He, hey. <laughs> His Juventus Perhaps career should, should have is, words with the referee. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. His Juventus career has not got off to the best start. Uh, let's put it like that. Um, but um, you know, I think ultimately uh, Genoa felt hard done by last night um, because they had a man harshly sent off, Casata, second yellow card, which was really, really harsh, and then they have a penalty given against them in the 94th minute, which is borderline. I would say. Mm. Um, Juventus had just had a goal disallowed for offside. It didn't look like it was going to be their night. Did it um, remind you of the Luciano Moji days, James? Well, I mean, we'll get to what happened in the Napoli-Atalanta game uh, in a minute um, because Napoli felt, well, actually, just let's go straight into it. Uh, because, <laughs> because what happened at the end of that game was Napoli felt that they should have had a penalty. It's 2-2 at that time. Fernando Llorente is essentially taken out. If you've ever seen uh, American football... It's a it's, rugby tackle by yeah. Simon well, Kerr. It, it, it's kind of like... It's like what Gwen Doozy did. Pass interference. Yeah, for those who've seen that. In an NFL game where yeah. the cornerback takes out the wide receiver. Yeah. And uh, it does go to a, a check by the video assistant referee... Um, and the the assistant referee judges that Llorente has kind of elbowed Kier before Kier rugby tackles him, as Andy says. But before that check is going on, or while that check is going on, Atlanta go up the other end and score an equaliser. Um, and all hell breaks loose because Napoli want uh, the referee um, to be basically told by the video assistant referee to go and review it, um, go to the monitor. It doesn't happen. The video assistant referee basically validates the decision that was made on the pitch. Um, and you see Insigne um, get booked for uh, dissent. You see one of Ancelotti's staff get sent off. Then Ancelotti himself gets sent off. And he, after the game, was like, this is the disgrace. Because all I said um, to the referee, there was an exchange between him and the referee where the ref says, can you help me get back control here? Uh, mm. And he says... Well, just just wait a second. Do you not have any doubts that that might have been a penalty? Mm. And the referee just pulls his red card out and sends him into the stands. Wow, sure, sure uh, sign of being in control. Uh, and then uh, Napoli kind of lose their heads. I mean, you hear the atmosphere in the stadium. Um, it's I, I wouldn't want to be one of the match officials or, in fact, one of the Atlanta players. To, I mean, they, they would probably need security to get right, out. Right, well, it, right. was, it was a game in which Napoli played some really, really good football. But in the end, they could have easily ended up losing because, as you say, their, their, their heads went after that. They, they lost their heads. Ilicic had a chance to win it in uh, in stoppage time. And Milik had a few chances, didn't he? Well, this, this is the thing. Hit the, hit the post. Napoli, and this has been the story of their season, 
is that they create and create and create, but they don't take their chances. And Milik hit uh, the post. He hit the bar. That's right, yeah. Um, there were a couple of one-on-ones, for example, with Callejon and uh, Fabian Ruiz. Golini pulls off saves. And ultimately, the game is still open. And unless you kill Atlanta in the way that Man City did... Yeah, they're like Joe they Pesci will... in Casino, aren't they? They keep coming back. <laughs> they will keep coming back. And, you know, after the game... The president of Napoli, Aurelio De Laurentiis, says nothing's changed since 2005, by which he's inferring that Calciopoli is still a thing. I mean, Napoli would have to still be in the title race for that to be an issue, I would say. And I think it's Mm. not an issue anymore Mm. um, because the infrastructure that was there has been removed. Um, Also, you'd you'd have to look at, for example, what happened to Atalanta a couple of weeks ago when, when they were playing Lazio and they had what in their opinion were two very dubious penalties given against them. Ultimately, video assistant referee, a referee, humans are still making these decisions. You can give them all the technology that they need. You can show them all the replays that you want. But ultimately, their decision is final and they're human beings and they make mistakes. And that is what I feel happened in this game, even though I can kind of see why that penalty uh, wasn't given and instead a free kick was given to Atalanta instead. But De Laurentiis, you know, really popping off, basically saying, you know, if, if, if there wasn't a football, which, you know, we owners put money into making the spectacle it is because we pay f- for these players. It's an entertainment industry. Referees wouldn't have a job if this entertainment industry didn't exist. They would be back home Peeling potatoes <laughs> is his quote. Love it. Love it. He'll get a fine for that, will he? I expect. I imagine so, yeah. yeah. Um, let's. That was, a, that was a very comprehensive roundup, James. But before we move on from it today, I, I want to ask both of you, in fact, just to give me a comment on Fiorentina's Frank Ribéry, <laughs> who has been banned for three matches and fined 20,000 euros because he pushed an assistant referee in their two, Fiorentina's 2 1 defeat by Lazio. Well, he'd been so impeccably behaved so far. He charmed, we, thought he was, we thought he was setting an example but, over but there. But, you know, you don't think of Ribéry habitually as, as a charmer, do you? But he's charmed Florence from the moment he got off the plane onto the tarmac. It couldn't last forever, could it? No. <laughs> Although, I should say he has apologised. But, but, and we have to say, I think the issue is less the... The, the trouble he's got into and the ban he's got into for the contretemps with a with a match official. Yeah, it was more the fact that he lost his shit with Montella for getting taken off in the first place. Yeah. That that's the internal issue, isn't it? Little message for, for Granite Xhaka: If you're going to do it, do it properly. It is, <laughs> but ultimately, um, the reason why he pushed the linesman uh, Luke is because after the game which had been decided, well, it hadn't really been decided because ultimately Lazio were already in the lead, but there was a penalty given against uh, Fiorentina in stoppage time. It was a chance for Lazio to go 3-1 up. Yeah, it went on for ages with Vard, it? It, went on, it yeah. went on for ages and, and Ribéry felt it should never have been a penalty. So he comes on to the pitch at the end of the game and basically is remonstrating with the officials and at one stage pushes the linesman. But Andy's right. I mean, this was one of the peculiarities of that performance is that Ribéry is su- substituted in part because they've got a midweek round of games coming up and he's with Federico Chiesa, their most important player. I mean, I think he's the oldest player in Europe's top five leagues to have at least two goals and two assists. He's already mm. been named player of the month. I think it mm. was in, in, in August. Um, he's made a real impact and he set up Chiesa's goal in that Lazio game. Montella takes him off. He's shaking his head. He basically then goes to sit down in the dugout. He then stands up and he's like, why have you substituted me? Um, and Montella, after the game, was saying oh, he was upset because I didn't, I didn't substitute him earlier. <laughs> this is the thing with Montella. He's a gag man. Yeah. So, like, so even, after, even after the win... Does he against, do impressions as well? Or just, no, just yeah, well, I, does an aeroplane. Does. Yeah, yeah, he does a really good aeroplane. Yeah. Who's but, his Chris Finch? That's the question. <laughs> but after the Sassuolo game, which uh, Fiorentina came back... Uh, from behind to win without Ribéry, with Ribéry in the stands sat next to uh, Vincenzo Montella. Uh, Montella was asked, he's like, that was a great display, Vincenzo. How do you explain you know, the tactics I use as well? I had Ribéry by my side. Mm. He basically advised me what changes I need to make. Do you really? What substitutes I had to he's, do. He's salty. Uh, he is salty, <laughs> isn't he? He's good. So, yeah, I mean, Ribéry's out for three games, but, um, well, two now, and... Uh, but they, they look just fine without him at the moment. Oh, 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash ramble. Hello, OTCers. Pete here from the Football Ramble. Now, are you in Norwich or Ipswich or anywhere near the rump of these gorgeous aisles? Get yourself a ticket uh, tonight for Ramble Live in Norwich. Thursday the 31st, it's going to be loads of fun. That's ramblelive.com. Andy, I want to come to you and talk about... Um, well, I want to come to both of you. I always want to come to both of you. I don't like mm. the idea of we siloing off different subjects. I want Silo, to to- that was a great level in Goldeneye. It was, actually. Remember? Yes, was I brilliant. do. The hardest level in Goldeneye was control, yeah. where you had to go and do that thing on the computer and all these guards came down. You had to keep shooting them while doing it. Yeah. Also, because I think the video game technology at that time, it didn't understand that I was doing the kind of computer bit that you needed to do and it would basically say, no, you're not using the right controls here. You, yeah. you haven't pressed the right button. He's like, no, no, I'm being... I'm, I, that would really stress me out, that game. <laughs> need, they need to bring it back, though. I mean, yeah, I, agree. I, I was really upset. Prime for with, a reboot. I was upset with my father this, this summer because he was having a summer clear out. Yeah. He basically got rid of my N64 and Goldeneye. That's with unforgivable. It. It's unforgivable. I know your dad. He's a lovely man, but that yeah. is unforgivable. Yeah. Um, did you ever make it to double O agent level? Because it was agent, secret agent, double O agent. Double O agent was the toughest level. If you, if you completed the whole thing on double O, you got respect from me. I'm telling I mean, you. I could blag and say yes. But I honestly can't remember. We'll have a gold I, I, I imagine I would remember if I'd achieved something like that because it'd be the greatest achievement of amazing. my life. The worst thing I've ever lost in a clear out uh, Here we go. Uh, my 110 goals Italia style um, VHS from, I guess they would have been 88, 89 and 89, 90, which was the first thing that got me into Italian football. I'm giving away a VHS pretty much every live show at the moment. <laughs> 
to people. Well, I've got nothing left to watch on it, so I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. um, RambleLive.com to get tickets. Come along, play a game, win a VHS videotape. Nice. It's just one of the reasons to come along. But at some point in the deep, distant past, we were talking about potentially the next James Bond, uh, Patrick Vieira. That's who I want to talk about now. Yes. If I, I can't even remember if I said his name or not, but I've said it now. He's currently the coach of Nice. They've lost three games in a row in League 1, but partly fueled by Ramble Meets alumnus um, Nigel Winterburn, there's talk that he might be being lined up to replace one Unai Emery at Arsenal. Too soon. Okay. Too soon. That's your that's your take, is it? Yeah, yeah? It, it is. And um, I, I think Vieira has done a really, really good job at, at, at Nice so far. Um it's it's a very different job this season, um, which is why he's in a bit of a sticky situation at the moment. I mean, they're in the bottom six in, in Ligue 1. Um, they've lost four out of the last five in the league. And um, last night, as we're recording, they went out of the, the Coupe de la Ligue to Le Mans, who are or bottom three in Ligue 2 at the moment. I mean, they they went to the wall and they're they're on the way back. So for for them, mm. like bottom three in league does not not that bad at all. Even though we remember them in the top flight in in recent memory, um, and we also but, remember them for their excellent twenty four hour driving car race. Mm. Yeah, it's not the players that do that. No, I know. Right, I don't think uh, the fact that I've just said the words driving car race to tell you everything <laughs> you need to know about what I know about motorsport. But that's a poor result for them, even though it was away from home. Isn't yeah, it? and Vieira for the first time um, stepped away from his players and just he he said that that performance was. I'm not going to protect them. He said that performance was completely unacceptable for an for an ambitious team for an ambitious mm. club. So why are Arsenal interested? Why are Arsenal sniffing around? Well, he has done a really good job since he was there. I mean, transitional doesn't quite describe where their squad was last season. Uh, they didn't go out and get any forward players, so they were going along at way less than a goal a game last season. Um, they were making Nantes look prolific uh, through I a mean, lot of last they're season. third bottom for chances created at the moment in League 1. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I mean, th- th- now it's not a problem with the forward players they've got. Mm. Um, it's, it's a problem in terms of trying to commute from a totally different style because they were really defensively efficient last season because to, to go along at way less than a goal a game and get yourself comfortably in the top 10, I think is is a really incredible effort. You know, you look at the players they'd lost over the last couple of years, they never really um, replaced Balotelli. Uh, Vieira had his issues with San Maximal. And you know they lost others as as, as well. Atom Ben Arthur, John Michael Seri, um, Wesley Snyder. Before that, never never really clicked oh, for them. I forgot I mean, about that. I know. Are they regretting not taking that five hundred million quid from Barcelona for Seri? Because I mean, that, that I mean that is some fall from grace from Seri, isn't it? They did all right in terms of what they got back. From sure, Fulham, Fulham in the end. And Casper Dolgo scored a couple, though, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. They've, but they've they've got him in. They've and got, his watch uh, stolen, of course. They've, they've got Adam Unas. Um, yes. They've got um, um, Alexis Claude Maurice, who Arsenal were very, very interested in, goal scoring midfielder. They've got the, but, the excellently but, named Patrick Burner as but, well. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, but, but basically, those three that I was just mentioning, they were lined up for a long time and it took a long time to get them over the line because they were waiting for the Ineos takeover to, to, yeah. to be completed. So, you know, Jim Ratcliffe was talking, he do, he's not interviewed often, but he, he was interviewed in Le Keep last week and he was saying, um, you know, the summer transfer window wasn't really what we wanted. It wasn't really the extent that we hoped for because we couldn't get the, the deal over the line quick enough. So, like, their aim is to qualify for the Champions League again and again. And right. if there was a season in which you were going to do it, you look at the way that uh, Lyon, Marseille, Monaco mm. have started and you think this could be it. I mean, Lille being back in the top three when they've had a bit of a difficult start and, and, and they've lost some players is quite remarkable, really. But I think for Vieira, it, it is difficult because you have got a club that's ambitious, that's got um, a great stadium, a great new training ground. It shouldn't be difficult to attract players there because it's a, a wonderful part of the world, of course. Um, but he is trying to commute from a, a team that basically keeps itself in games to something a little bit more expressive. And he's done it with half a transfer window. He's doing it with trying to settle a load of new players in. The team looks a, a little bit clunky and, and disjointed. But is there a feeling, Andy, that because they've got this takeover and by by um, by wealthy owners and they're, they're trying to usher in a new era, mm. 
does, does Patrick Vieira perhaps have a feeling that they're going to bring in a new coach, a no. super coach, and no, he, he feels doesn't. undermined he, he do, by that? He, he doesn't, because they've been very clear all the time along that they, they wanted him. Now, Jim Ratcliffe may have bought the club, but he's not running the club hmm. himself. He, he brought back uh, Uber Fournier, um, the, the, the sporting director, and um, Jean-Pierre Rivera, uh, the, the previous president, who'd originally sold half his, his, his stake to Chinese investors before before cashing out completely. Um, now, Vieira was really annoyed with Fournier and Rivera because he felt that they left him in a, in a sort of invidious position last year when, when, when they sold out um, mm-hmm. to the previous owners because basically they'd brought him in and then left him holding the baby. So he had something written with the previous owners into his last contract that said if uh, Fournier and Rivera came back at any point, he could quit with no compensation due or, or, or anything like that. He could just tear up his contract on the spot. Now, Jim Ratcliffe has talked him out of that because he wants him to stay. Mm-hmm. And um, he's got his brother r- running the club. And they feel that they've got the right man there in Vieira, uh, uh, a coach who's a... Uh, uh, a coach who was, has never lent on his playing past, which I think is, is, is very impressive. And he's been at pains to stress that all, all the way along. Um, he's aware that he's not the, 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 the finished article. He's keen to learn. He's keen to listen. He's keen to collaborate. But he is a, a, a genuinely strong leader. I think there's a lot to like about what Vieira's done. Um, but there's also an understanding at the club that it, it is a difficult time. What Vieira has done, and maybe this Le Mans defeat will do them good in the long run, him coming out and really saying to the players, I know there's been a lot of change at the club, but you're using it as an excuse. And it's, it's not good enough. I mean, um, Let's go Ad, Adrian Tamez, who came off in, 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 that, in that game and had a little bit of a, a strop on, on, on the, on the sideline, I mean, he said, well, I would have liked it if he was that angry on the pitch because right. you know, Vieira's like not happy with what his team's putting in at the moment. But as, in terms going back right to the beginning, linking him to the Arsenal job. Two points off the relegation places, I do. Who knew? Patrick Vieira, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah I, I, I don't really think that's But, that, but that's we, we saw this in the past, we, we seen that you, we, you were adamant. I don't, I don't want to kind of after time you and, and, and sort of stick the boot in, um, <laughs> but you're very rarely wrong. So it's almost irresistible to do so. A few years ago, you were telling me you were swearing blind that Andre Villas-Boas was not going to leave and go to Chelsea. But inevitably, he found out that it was too big of an opportunity to turn down. Is Patrick Vieira realistically going to be able to no, resist those heartstrings? And if they come in for him, say, no, it's not for me. It's too early. I don't, I don't think it is about heartstrings um, because like a lot of... Other Patrick players, and the heartstrings. A lot of other players who are former players who could have been kept in the loop by Arsene Wenger. Mm. They were kind of cut off. So was and Tony that, Adams. Disgrace. And well, Thierry Henry's part yeah. of that to an extent as well. And I think a lot of that golden generation for Arsenal that, you know, they would have liked to lean on their experiences and, and, and their qualities as much as, say, Bayern have done, trying to keep former players um, as, as part of the club. I think Arsene Wenger cut off a lot of that and almost made a lot of that goodwill disappear. Mm. Whether that's something that could be put in the past, I think is a different question. Now, I'm not saying Vieira to Arsenal is totally impossible. What I'm saying is it is a bad idea at this point in (laughs) time because they need someone experienced, established, who can lead from the front, not just a figurehead to please the fans. He's still learning the job and he's self-consciously still learning the job. And he's going through a totally different experience at the moment, which I think is going to land him in good stead. If he gets them to a point where, say, halfway through next season, they're challenging for a Champions League place, I think then it's time to have that conversation right. about him moving on. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, just, like I'll a, just finish like a, up by saying... Like I said, what you were saying about Villas-Boas, just because it's not a good idea doesn't mean it oh, won't happen. I was, exactly, I was going to yeah. say, and, and thinking about it when you said a bad idea there, I don't know about you, James, but I was thinking the implementation consistently of bad ideas in football is probably the main reason I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the main no. reason I'm watching it. <laughs> you are right. I mean, I know a number of people who work in analytics who've um, either got involved in football um, at one stage or another and then have kind of come back out of it. So because it's crazy, yeah. Because they say it's crazy in terms mm. of you want to apply logic, um, you want to apply these data methods which are supposed to make you smarter, at least in recruitment. They might not make you 
win as much game as many games as you think you are, but they will make you better. And in terms of just finding people receptive to those ideas, willing to take them on board, um, yeah, they found it very challenging, very difficult, and have become quite disillusioned and have essentially yeah. left the industry. So the similar, thing is, if you work in, in politics as well, no? if you work in that kind of job, as long as you can cope with the fact that you're not going to be listened to 85% yeah. of the time, mm. you'll find it. I think to survive in it is probably a little bit like parenthood. That one time that your child listens to you, you think... Oh, yeah, they do listen to me. I have me. made a difference. You, you, you yeah. forget the other 95 times they yeah. haven't listened to you. <laughs> yeah. well, if you go back to, um, just very, very finally, just to wrap up on this, if you go back to um, to Vieira, I mean, um, the excellent David Ornstein's column this week says that Arsenal aren't considering um, removing Unai Emery anywhere near soon anyway, so it might all be a moot point at this stage. And you know better football than me? No. So why are you talking? I asked you, I do, I do my job. Are you a journalist or a camera guy? I am a journalist, so why are you holding the camera? You should have a camera again, because no? My, because my boss wants you to meet you. So he's low budget. <laughs> All right, Netherlands. We don't talk about Netherlands anywhere near as much as perhaps we should. Um, I find the Netherlands, or if it's just called Netherlands, I haven't checked, a inherently <laughs> hilarious nation for a number of different reasons. Because you um, can do a good Dutch accent is why, isn't you, it? You want to smoke in a pancake? You come see me, yeah? Um, but <laughs> there see, is a I've, got, I've got Dutch godparents, so it would be fine if I did that. Is that I'm offensive? Not, I'm not sure if it's fine that you did that. All right, I apologise to anyone apologize. who's Dutch listening. <laughs> listening. But if you're going to tell me, if the newswires are going to come to me and say, Dick Avocar has replaced Jap Stam as coach of Feyenoord. I'm bringing that to the bank. And by the bank, I mean Andy Brussel and James Horncastle because I want to know what kind of interest I can get on that news deposit. Pretty, pretty much like for like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's a confusing thing about it. What, what, what is happening? Well, I, I mean, obviously there's a lot of interest given that uh, Avocar will end up coming up against Rangers. Yes, in, in in a few short weeks. Um, but Feyenoord are a, a, a mess, and um, my friend Chris Parrott, who I work on Trans Europe Express and, and a number of other things with, who covers a lot of Dutch football, his belief is that there's quite a deep malaise in Feyenoord that changing the coach is not going to fix. I think it's quite notable that Stam stepped down rather than was given the push. I think mm. if, if the club was in better shape. Stam gets the push rather rather than actually leaves. And of, of course, there might be a degree of mutual consent. They didn't try and make him stay. A lot of people thought he was an unusual appointment when he was first made in in, in, in the first place. But they, they've, they've really struggled to build on winning the league uh, a, a couple of years back. I mm. mean, on the pitch, it seemed as if um, the stuffing was knocked out of them by going into the Champions League and taking a few beatings from, well, teams with a lot more money than them who are a lot better than them. Um, they lost a few big players, of course, on, on the back of that, that that championship run as well. And really, all that's kept them in sort of semi-relevance in, in the last little while was the, the Robin Van Persie farewell tour, following straight following on the back the of the Dirt Cout farewell yeah. tour. Mm. I mean... Uh, any, anyone can get beaten 4-0 at, at Ajax and I think it's really interesting what's happened as as you were saying when we were talking about this before we came in the studio Luke the fact that all of a sudden this gap has completely opened up between Ajax and PSV mm. and I, I think you go back to last weekend when PSV were absolutely hammered at home by RZ and RZ have got, got good players led by Calvin Stengs and they're really interesting to to, to watch but <laughs> yeah. and you know people look at that as well and said well they went down to 10 men relatively early on they didn't have a shot on target at home against RZ yeah. I mean that is so far from from good enough at, yeah. at, at, at the moment but they were locked on to- they were locked on on the same points for a long time and then they PSV went through this Two basically, two, not just one. Two terrible. Didn't they lose to Utrecht after yeah, that as well? That's, that's, yeah. that's right. And yeah, yeah they're, they're they're in a bad place at the moment. I mean, I understand it's the first genuine wall that Van Bommel has has hit since he's been there because the league was very very close last season, and there's no shame in losing to a team like Ajax well, last season. There's no shame losing to a team like Ajax have this season. But Van Bommel's 
trying to think of a, a way around it because he's still a pretty inexperienced the, head coach. And he's said, well, okay, why don't we step back from it? Why don't we have an extra day off here and there just to absorb what happened yeah. and, and, and try and try and deal with it. But I think it's really interesting to see how he tries to get through this. At the moment, the best chance of them overtaking Ajax, Eric Ten Hag is being linked more and more with the Bayern job at the moment with his history there. And because there aren't really a lot of obvious candidates, and that's probably why Niko Kovac is still in the job really, because there's not a lot of obvious succession candidates, but with Ten Hag's connection with Bayern, with the fact that Ajax, I mean, and this is, this is the wide perception, I think that they've lost a couple of really big players and they've gone on to still be really good this season. I mean, I think realistically, when you look at the Champions League money they made, when you look at the money they made of De Ligt and De Jong, they should be set for the next couple of years in the Eredivisie if they play it right. That's, that's, but that's, it does mean that there's a lot of people looking at Eric Ten Hag and thinking, oh, actually, maybe we didn't give him enough credit. I think that's the wider perception. But that's a whistle-stop tour of the Netherlands and, and, and we thank you for it. But dragging it back to Jap Stam very, very quickly, I wonder if you've got any opinion and maybe you don't and it's too early to say and that's fine. If you have got, if you guys have got an opinion on the type of coach... Is it too soon for him to get the Man United job? Is well, we're about to say? <laughs> I don't think it's too soon for anyone to get the Man United job. I think I could, I could find you people on the street outside who it wouldn't be too too soon for them to get that job. But Jap Stam had a couple of years at Reading. The first season he was there, I think it was the first season, they got to the playoffs and they were excellent. Excellent. They were on a, a terrible run in the second season in charge. Um, I think they lost a couple of players, a couple of important players as well. If my memory serves me correct, they won one and eighteen, and he got any and he left by mutual consent. Then he goes to Zvola, mm. uh, and he doesn't really get much time at Zvola because he does quite well. Hard to swallow. Uh, yeah, it was very hard to swallow <laughs> the fact that he left for final because they came in for him, and he's not going to turn that down, right? So he went to final. Now he finds himself a forty-seven-year-old fairly young coach still, without a job. Um, and I wonder if he's actually... Because I mean, his winning percentage record is, is actually quite good. I wonder if he's a bit of an underrated coach at this point. You see, when you started that off, I, I, I heard just two words, really. Marcus Babbel. Right. Because, right, right, right. I going to say Ryan Babbel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, is he coaching already? Well, we're yeah. talking about him in five years' time. I, yeah. I think you look at Marcus Babbel, who started off really well at, at Stuttgart. Now, I think this is an... That's right, he did. It's, it's an underrated... And, and then, Stuttgart. before you know it, he's turning down the Millwall job and just, you know, disappearing off our radar. it radars. He is still coaching, went to Australia after that, but I think it's fair to say that his coaching career, which looked like it could be very promising at the beginning, didn't quite go as, it wanted, as he wanted. And I think you could say that about a lot of coaches, young coaches. People look at them... And it's how they recover from their first setback. Again, Andre Villas-Boas, you could you could argue, couldn't you? He's got nowhere near what was expected of him in the when Dakar he was at, rally when he was at Porto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> didn't even finish it. Didn't even finish. But, it. I mean, it, so I mean, obviously, AVB's at Marseille now, isn't he? Yeah, but, I mean, he's not he's not had a terrible career, no. but slightly underwhelming. Well, I, th- I think that's exactly why what the job that Japstam takes next is really important. Yeah. Because he needs to get into a club which is big enough for him but to coach- actually coaching, do something. But coaching is all about making the right choice at the right absolutely. time, isn't it? Absolutely. 100%. I'm sure he'll get a ba- job. A couple of bad choices yeah. in He'll a row. intimidate someone into giving it. <laughs> <laughs> no, the vein will intimidate people into doing <laughs> well, it. Well, you could see May United going for a huge name next mm. and then going, oh, that's not worth it. Let's get, let's get one of the old boys back. Oh, come on, Yap. Yap and Yaps and Yaps chaps yeah. are, are playing at United. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's turn our attention to Spain. Um, Andy, you were very... Thank you. You were very passionate about talking about the comparisons between, or perhaps even the contrasts, between Atletico Madrid and Diego Simeone and Sevilla and Julian Lopetegui. But before we do that, can you please give me a line or two on Granada, who spent a bit of time top of La Liga this week 
um, before Real Madrid and Barcelona both won their games in hand. Um, what's Diego Martinez brought to this team and um, how much can we give credit to Tony Adams for it? <laughs> if you can answer all that in like two sentences, that'd be brilliant. Well, by the time people listen to this, Granada might be back on top. Oh, because they play win, tonight, don't they? Win Thursday yeah. night's game against Hitafe, um, which will be a tough one. Um, but it's an absolutely extraordinary story. It's the hottest um, subject in the email box. This really? OTC at well, you, you talked about Tony mm. Adams. I mean, the notable thing uh, with that win against Betis last week is that they matched the 20 points that they got the last time they were in, in total flight, in, in, in <laughs> yeah. 16, 17. That's right, yeah. Tony Adams may or may not have had something to, yeah. to, to do with that. Um, Did they just play that video of him kind of... Doing the old hand signals. Doing all the hand signals yeah. and saying, this is what could happen... If you don't get results, <laughs> no, but we'll was, bring him back. I look at that and think, why has he not been on Strictly? Yeah. Oh, True. there's still time for that. But there was yeah. there was chat that he he actually gave a lot of good advice to the owners of Granada at the time. Said this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do, and they've and some people are arguing they've implemented that and it's it's set a bit of a foundation for them for this success. Now, oh, would you go Adam's along with that legacy? Yeah, would you go along with that? Well, it's taken them a bloody long time to to, right. to to come back up to the top flight, given that there was pressure on them. Bit of a butterfly flaps its wings, you know. Mm. In 2016-17, is there a hurricane of football in 2019-20? That is the I most flattering say, kind of comparison that you could make with Tony Adams' gesturing. <laughs> yeah. like he's a butterfly, essentially. That's what he was doing. You think he was doing some weird trans round drill. drill? He was just flapping his wings. He thought, in three or four years' time, so we're going to come home to roost. In, yeah. in, in terms of there being a plan for them coming up, it's not always been easy to see. It has been... People don't use this word uh, enough now. It seems to have disappeared from the tabloids. It was used a lot in the 1980s. It has been a torrid path back to the top flight. Yeah. Um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. And I think for that reason, you have to give Diego Martinez great credit. And you also have to give him great credit for what's gone in this season, the coach. Because he was someone who was recruited to Sevilla by, by Monchi, personally. Um, it was an assistant for... Unai Emery during the Europa League wins. I didn't say he was behind it all. You said he was behind it all. Wow. And is he readier than Tony Adams? Uh, sorry, than Patrick Vieira <laughs> <laughs> for the Arsenal job? At this moment. Yeah. And he's, he's done an absolutely brilliant job since they've, they've come back up. And I think what you look for in a coach is not just togetherness and organisation because you expect that to a degree with promoted teams. But players who have shown promise before, just playing so far above the level that they have done anywhere else. You know, I think it's one of the things we, we talk about with Marcelo Bielsa, the fact that he unlocks parts of players' football brains that they didn't realise were there in the first place. And mm. you look at some of the players who are playing out of their skin. I think you look at Yangel Herrera in midfield. He's, he's been absolutely terrific so far. Rui Silva, the goalkeeper, who I wouldn't be surprised to get See, get called up for Portugal in a little while, and Alvaro Bahio as well, who who has been absolutely brilliant for for them, and th that I think was quite a significant moment. The fact that he scored the winner against Betis, and he was Real Betis' younger ever, youngest ever player, youngest ever first team player at just sixteen, a couple of years back, and then he he, he totally did his cruciate not once but twice mm. um, from there he went on to Wesker played a part in them getting promoted but when they got promoted they binned him he ended up at Granada played a part in Granada getting promoted and now he's got another crack at the top flight scored against Barcelona at Los Carmenes when they beat them scored very tidy goal at the weekend he's someone who's really exciting to watch when he's got the ball at his feet it gives them a, a little bit more cut and thrust in a team that is generally full of quite hard workers. It gives them that little bit of extra flair. And so obviously when he scored this goal against Betis, he didn't celebrate. And it's one of those players not celebrating against the former club, which I'm prepared to take. Okay. I think a lot of them, it, we're not talking about Scott Sinclair not celebrating against Chelsea. You're here. giving him a pass. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, I don't think I'll Chamberlain celebrated against Liverpool last night either. Against Arsenal? Uh, sorry, against Arsenal. Yeah, he held his hands up. Did he? Yeah. 
didn't he? He did. Um, and shout out but to Roberto. Sal- uh, by the way, shout out to Roberto Soldado. He's playing his trade at Granada as well at the moment. Yeah, and uh, he's not always been starting. Thirty-four years young. Such a such a good squad guy. Mm. Exemplary work ethic. The other thing we have to say off the back of uh, Granada beating Betis is it meant that Ruby, the new coach of, of of Betis, was in a bit of trouble. Now in this round of midweek fixtures. Um, they beat Thelta with a late, late, late goal by Nabil Fekir. And Fekir, who's had a kind of fitful time since he's arrived in Spain, could basically have saved his coach's job with that and probably signed off on Fran Escribar at uh, Thelta, who's probably been fired while we're recording this podcast. <laughs> well, we'll see. Fingers crossed for him to keep his job. We can't see people losing their jobs unless... I, um, I don't think Thelta fans are in the same boat as you there. Well, I was just saying, unless they're, they truly they're, they're, deserve, they're not crossing yeah. their fingers that he um, keeps his job. And there'll be about four Serie A coaches been fired while we're in the studio as well. Yeah. But, um, it's a given. Let's do... Let's do um, Sevilla and Atletico Madrid then you, yes. you were pretty keen to do that I mean James you can come on this as well what, what, what's the angle here what do you want to talk about what, particularly I think what's the interesting thing to talk about is here are two uh, teams who've undergone such profound change and we've looked at it from the Atletico perspective mainly because you know you've been able to those Atletico mainstays have just tripped off the tongue haven't they in in, in recent years but now they're, they're bedding down so many new starters and they're clearly going through a personality crisis they're trying to play better football and you look at the goal which they scored through Alvaro Morata and it's in my opinion, so much easier for them to play good football when Morata is, is in the team. And he's also the cutting edge that they're lacking when he's he's not there. I think you could argue that Morata is going to become their most important forward player. I understand Joao Felix is injured at the moment, but their most important striker, certainly. Um, it was a lead that they didn't manage to hold on to because sometimes they retreat into being the lumpy old Atletico, but they can't grind out games quite as they did before and I understand in the game against Alaves it was an absolutely tremendous equaliser by Lucas Perez who obviously didn't have a wonderful time over here in England and mm. you know sometimes there's there's nothing you can do about that but that they still aren't clinical enough to finish off games they're drawing too many games now I understand that they're going through this spell of transition but with what Barcelona are going through not since Leo Messi came back, obviously, um, and what Real Madrid have been going through. It does kind of feel a bit like Dortmund. It's almost a missed opportunity. Well, I think we have this discussion about Atletico Madrid every year that Diego Simeone goes into the season saying, look, I want to play more expansive football. We're going to try and be not better to watch, but more entertaining, be more expansive. And ultimately, they just regress back to what gets them results all the time. I mean, just to pull another thread on this and go back to what you were saying about Morata, I'm really pleased that he's actually seems to be doing well now. I mean, he scored in, what, three consecutive games. He's come up big for them, particularly in the Leverkusen game in the Champions League, where, again, I watched them and against the Leverkusen side that have been pretty disappointing in the Champions League, having lost to Lokomotiv in match day one, very poor against Juventus match day two. Again, Atleti just really kind of... That was an awful game. It was an awful game. Um, yeah, they, they found it very difficult to break down a very open tea and flaky team, uh, mm. in, in, yeah. in, my, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, Morata, as you say, um, Andy, in terms of him making Atletico play better, I always remember when he was at Juventus and, and Allegri uh, used to rave about Morata. And the reason he did was because he was this guy can play with any striker in any configuration up front. You know, if you play him out wide in a 4-3-3, he'll, he'll make sure that you get into the box and he supports the centre forward. If you play him in a two, he's a great partner, as he was for Carlos Tevez. Um, he can play on his own up front. And, and that was the reason why... He, and that got, all, that got lost very quickly mm. um, at Chelsea. And I would even say in his, his, his first... First season back at uh, first season with Atlet back in Spain with Atletico, um, so you know I think it's it's good to see who a player who in my opinion is a very good striker get back to what we kind of saw with him 
at Juventus and in that second spell back at Real Madrid. But don't you don't you feel, James, that there's so much more to come with him? Because for me, he's a he's a fascinating striker because he has got the quality to to be that link man mm. and to, to to get involved with a team that plays good football. On the other hand, he's also a shortcut to joy because if Trippier or Lodi throw it in, yep. the, in the penalty box, he can win the headers yes. and score a front or back post. And in fact, that's what glossed over a lot of his early travails at Chelsea. The fact that he was scoring goals because every time Chelsea got across in the box, he could make the most of it. And I think people saw that and, and said, oh, yeah, oh did, look at yeah. him. He's, he's born to the English game. He's born yeah. to the English well, he's game. Got, he went for that phase of scoring quite a few headers and, like, and, and that's what people were saying. That. But really, in terms of the amount of games he's started he's almost at the start really still mm. a, a, a little bit he's not been at a, a club no. where he's he started 40 50 games a season so it'd be interesting to see how it goes on from that but I know you wanted to take it on to Sevilla as well, well before you do that just shout out um that game Atletico drawing one all against Depo- against Alaves yes because it I, I thought up until that point that the uh, the only player that had an airport named after him or was named after an airport was George Best Obviously in in Belfast, but yeah. step forward, uh, Vicente Lagardia, who plays at the back for Alaves. If you know of any other players who've got the same name as an airport, um, let us know. OTC at footballramaldali.com. Don't you think it's a curious thing that in Britain we're not really into naming airports, give or take like John, John Lennon, Lennon and Robin yeah. Hood? Robin Hood's, isn't Robin Hood Nottingham Airport? Is yeah. It? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I think I did. Be- know because, that, you know, it's, it's something that's very prevalent in the rest of the world. Well, what? What footballers could we name? I mean, I think we could have like Stansted being like Trevor Brooking International or something, couldn't we? In the US, they love it. Obviously, Charles de Gaulle in, in Paris. Yeah. You got, uh, I think George Bush has got an airport named after him over in the US. Marco Polo mm. in Venice. Yeah. Uh, Fiumicino nice. also goes by Leonardo da Vinci Airport, but it's a little bit like San Siro and to Giuseppe Miazza. Uh, Most okay. people just say San Siro. So. Okay. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good one. I don't know why we don't do it more of it in, in the UK, really. But what can you do? JFK? The famous one, the big swinger. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry, what were you saying? Sevilla, Sevilla. and Lopetegui. Because, you know, we, we've talked so much about the turnover at... Incongruously, um, and I remember this because I've flown from here Here we before. go, he's still on this one, mate. Sorry. <laughs> I, I wanted to correct you. It, Robin Hood Airport is not Nottingham Airport. It's not even East Midlands. It's the Doncaster. It's Donny, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. So, there you go. Apologies. Because Robin Hood, of course, you know, stole from the, the rich and robbed for the poor. Yeah. In, in kind of West Yorkshire, kind of uh, yeah. West South Yorkshire, kind of Donny kind of area. That right. was very much the sheriff of Doncaster not yeah. happy uh, yeah. with what Robin Hood was And you doing. are very much Robin from the poor with the fee you charge for this, this episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of Robin Hood. <laughs> giving it to more rich people. Yeah, yeah. Um, more rich people. See? <laughs> Andy, Sevilla, Lopetegui, has he got an airport named after him or not? And is he likely to have one? Not yet, but who knows? Yeah. Um, because he is tentatively rebuilding his, his, his reputation as a club coach, I would say. Um, we talk about the challenges for Atletico this season and the turnover of players, but that's overshadowed, I think, the extraordinary turnover since Monchi's arrived back at Sevilla. I mean, you look at the team that started at Valencia last night. Seven starters were newly signed this summer. I mean, that is really... So he's, he's embedded them in very nicely. That is really difficult to bed in, but they've yeah. got a personality already. You know, no one's saying they're the best team in the league or they're a title challenger or anything that like that. I think they're actually quite unlucky not to grind out a win at Valencia um, in the end, and God knows Valencia love a draw. But I think, especially in the first half, you saw where Lucas Acampos mm-hmm. gave them the lead. You look at players like Ocampos, Juan Jordan... They're really industrious. They're players who... I think you look at Sevilla's signings compared to other summers, and I think I've said this elsewhere, they don't, they don't look especially sexy. But the amount of work that those guys get through, and a Campos for me, he made his reputation in that last year at Marseille because he was a player who obviously came over from Argentina to France when he was a teenager for a lot of money, didn't quite get it going at Monaco, and almost like Eric Lamella in a different way. I don't think they're strictly comparable players, but Campos has turned out to be, like Lamella, a totally different player to what people imagined of him when he was such a highly prized teenager. The amount of work that you get out of Acampos, he can help create a culture. He can help create a character in the team. He can do Chicharito's running for him. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, he loves a run behind. It's just a different type of running. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think to have a guy like that leading from the front really helps. He's been a, a big signing for them. But yeah, lots of credit to, to Lopetegui, who is betting in so many new players. And obviously, Jesus Navas is playing right back for him now, isn't he, as well? Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, yeah. that's a given now. Yeah, um, all right, we have to move on because we've, got, we've run out of time. Games of the week. Uh, oh, I, you remembered. I forgot to do it last week. Apologies. I did all the admin. I didn't even get to do the glorious bit at the end to talk <laughs> about it. So I apologise to everyone who had no idea what game to watch last weekend mm. because I didn't fulfil my admin brief. But I'm going to do it this week and I'm going to start by saying Dortmund Wolfsburg for me. Wolfsburg haven't beaten Dortmund for a while, but they're undefeated in the league. And you've mentioned a bit about Dortmund's issues. They are, so but they had their game. asses kicked in the DFB Pokal this week. They were 6-1. 6-1 to Leipzig, to wasn't it? Leipzig, yeah. yeah. And Dortmund, who's starting a very difficult mini run, um, they came back from a goal down with a couple of late Julian Brandt goals to beat Gladbach. Uh, and that is really big for Lucien Favre. few people questioning him recently, as I said, in my Guardian mm. column this week. Mm. And after Gladbach, of course, they have unbeaten Wolfsburg, as you say. Then the return with Inter in San Siro. And then... No, from- it's at Signal Aduna Park now. Oh yeah, of course it is. Signal yeah. Dune Park, yeah. yeah. Um I was I was just trying messy, to move messy. away from yeah. Giuseppe Miazza. <laughs> and then after they, they, they play that return with Inter, they've got Bayern away. So those are four very tough games. So you can watch that at 2.30 on Saturday, Dortmund Wolfsburg. It'd be a fascinating encounter. And then Andy Brassel, with the old 1-2, hit him with the old razzle-dazzle because you are going to the Berlin Derby and that's at 5.30 that day. Union versus Hertha and yeah. it will be on BT Sport. Watch yeah. it. It's going to be incredible. And turn it on 10 minutes early so you get a bit of the atmosphere. Yeah. That's that's just, I mean, it's a no-brainer, isn't it, to watch? It's yeah, really first fantastic. time the pair of them have met in, in, in top yeah. flight. It's going to be incredible. Great. So check out that on Saturday evening on BT Sport. James, you are going to be attending the Turin Derby, but you told me earlier, off the record, but I'm going to break a, I'm <laughs> going to break a trust and say you think it's going to be boring. So you're choosing Roma Napoli. Is that right? Yeah. I think Tell us why very quickly. Uh, oh, it has the potential to be a cracking game. Um, Roma in adversity... Uh, this team, you just can't keep them down. Uh, they won 4-0 away last week. 4 last away night? at the weekend, in midweek, mid-week against yeah. Udinese when they were down to 10 men um, for, for much of that game. Felt like a real kind of character-building performance and this team does have exactly that. I mean, we saw them winning stoppage time against Bologna. Um, they were really unlucky uh, last Thursday in the Europa League where, again, with essentially... 20 players out injured. Um, they managed to uh, be 1-0 up going into stoppage time against the Bundesliga leaders, Gladbach, only for um, Willie Collum, the Scottish referee, to invent a penalty all, kick. We talked all about him. And Chris Morning's face, Willie Collum, yeah. had everything you need for a ramble <laughs> trope. That did. Um, Chris Smalling got his first goal. Did you just mention that? Smalling got his first goal um, in Udine, uh, has done very well. Uh, there's already talk of, of Roma um, looking to sign him on a permanent basis because at the moment it's just a loan from Manchester United. Um, How are they getting on with the fact that he's a vegan? Are they de- dealing with that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of opportunities for, for, for good... Um, well, good vegan eating, I would say, in in the Italian cookery book. Right, uh, it's just not something that you'd necessarily um, uh, associate with it being, you know, such a gluten heavy yeah. pizza pasta kind of cheese heavy uh, as well. Cheese heavy, cheese heavy. Yeah, but um, yeah. but no, he's he's done very well. Zaniolo scored in his last three games after being sort of um, singled out for criticism from uh, Fabio Capello, um, which he's since kind of. Uh, Walked back on. But then Napoli, who, yeah, again, played excellent football for half an hour in midweek against Atalanta, really showed what they're kind of capable of. But again, just dropping points. And uh, yeah, they find themselves sixth. They're behind. Roma actually leapfrogged them in uh, in midweek. Um, so they need to need to win this, really, to not so much kind of stay in ch- conversation for Champions League. But this is a team that basically said second is no longer enough. Yeah. for us we have to win something so they're definitely going to have to win this game which will be at the Olympico on 2 o'clock on Saturday yeah check it out don't miss it um, that's all from us this week tomorrow is the preview show with me Jim Marcus and Pete of course and Saturday will be another blizzard greatest games if you want to come see us live you're going to have to get a shift on we're in Norwich tonight Birmingham tomorrow and Manchester Saturday. Then we go to the US and Canada. RambleLive.com for tickets. Have a lovely rest of your Thursday. Cheers, guys.
You know, when you put your finger up like that, I thought he's got an incredible joke that he's going to end it with. <laughs> it's very disappointing that he didn't. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's more like a RuPaul thing. <laughs> Sashay away. This was a Stakhanov production. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.